0: You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. The Trek Files, Season 10, Episode 12, Story Idea, The Most Dangerous Game, December 16th, 1986. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host. Dr. Check,
1: Larry Nemacek.
0: Oh, welcome back, Star Trek fans! Hey, you Star Trek historians, got one for you, uh, you canonistas out there, because uh, it's it's a gap in canon. Hey, everybody, uh, the 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 Trek heads, the tech heads, you're all gonna love this. Your Trekophiles, spelled with an F, we love you. You're gonna enjoy this. It's um, it's this is technically Next Generation uh the early days of the the think tank time but um something you probably have never heard of from a guy i hope you've heard of look forget this just check us out on facebook.com slash the trek files that's where as always you can find this week's documents of the week because oh the trek files is far more than merely an audio document hey we've got the paper from the days from gene's files check that out now here's an audio sample And then I'll be right back with this week's guest to talk about it. I propose that we put our landing party into a situation where Matcha has to act as prey for a powerful and cunning entity whose pleasure it is to hunt visitors to its domain, a primitive planet without any other humanoid life forms, Captain Picard is helpless. The Enterprise is being held in captive orbit by this omnipotent being. It's so different, and yet it sounds so familiar. These. another. uh, early wacky premise, this time from Next Generation, and this time from Bob Justman, who we don't think of so much as a writer-producer as we think of as a producer-producer. But there it is. There it sits. And when it comes to, um, you know, some of these offbeat, early, and unused premises, uh, I can think of no one to have on the show to have as my guest and talk about it. Uh, Then our good friend Ben Robinson, who you know from all the years of Eagle Moss and all the iterations that are moving forward from that. Um, Again, I go back with Ben to the official magazine and the Trek Files. Ben, thanks again for joining us today for another interesting what-if look at what could have been. (laughs) Always a pleasure.
1: And who better to do it? (laughs)
0: Well, now, this last time I think you visited, we had one from your vault. This is one that I was privy to. I'm looking at a piece of paper that Bob Justman himself printed out for me from his home printer back when I was busy trying to write The Next Gen Companion in three months on very little back original interviewing allowed uh, by time. And was just shocked to see, you know, what all he had, and the idea that he was himself throwing ideas and pitches out. But it should be noticed, this is from December 86, the very early days, and you can see the CCs there at the bottom. It's Eddie Milkus, David Gerald, Dorothy, and um, and Rick Berman, and Eddie Milkus was really post, so there was a very tiny story crew for the first few few months, they're still working on the Bible. It's much in process, yeah. which is revealed by, as you can see, his reference to matcha, which I'm sure you're. Yeah, up.
1: I mean, I think, and you know, I think Andy Probert is just about to arrive and start mm-hmm. sketching. Um, so this is like this really tiny brain trust um, that starts off um, without even without Dorothy. Dorothy's only just joined them, right? Um, and only joined have- them to write the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think they, they, they hope that Dorothy's going to be more and there's a whole load of stuff about what right. Dorothy's contract does not say and, you know, um, and who promised what to who. Um, but actually, which is very relevant to Bob, because Bob had, um, I think, he always wanted to be a creative producer on Star Trek. Yes, he yes. always felt that he was contributing much more than just getting it made i mean getting it made was a big deal but you know bob always wanted to have story ideas he always wanted to he always wrote these memos um lots of input and things he was very disappointed when he didn't get Mm -hmm. made Mm -hmm. um the creative producer in the third season of the original series Mm -hmm. and that was kind of where his involvement with star trek ended until about a month before
0: he's writing this memo, never utilized in the movie era whether whether Gene was in command or not, he was never looked at in cons- which yeah. I, yeah he was a little surprised I think when mm. he was invited to come in yeah you know yes. and vindicated. Uh, but
1: he, was, he felt that this was like his opportunity to to really um, ha- exert his full influence on Star Trek I guess really well, well step not, up
0: and get it in the same way that Gene was <laughs> in the same way that Gene yeah. was reclaiming the throne and and having Leonard majorly negotiate a deal that got him there. Uh, so that the movie era would never happen again, you know, being dethroned. But but yeah, Bob Justman in the same way, except Bob coming from a much humbler place. That was part of his dynamic was the humble giant that w- was owed so much credit and then didn't always get it. And so I've it's been one of my missions, as I'm betting it is with you, uh, to make sure he he gets that notice. And here's a case where yes, they they don't even have the bible finalized and the characters lined up, but he's already throwing out ideas. Uh, and we have several more in the files, too, but yeah. here's one.
1: And this is one. So I mean, interestingly, this this idea is a year before Predator is released. So it doesn't have Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. It has Masha <laughs> Hernandez, later to be known as Tasha Yar. Right. In it. But basically, you're down on a planet being hunted by a powerful alien that can overpower you. So he's just, you know, thrown off the idea for a a massive movie franchise um, in a pitch that that actually does get made, though um, you might not recognize the episode it ends up as.
0: Well, see, and then, and then, uh, well, it does, and it comes from a different angle. And if you're talking about Code of Honor, that's a whole different, you know, ball. Away. Oh well, code of honor
1: is a different one. No, this episode, this episode becomes hide and cue. I think it's pretty clear okay. to me that I can see that. I can see this, that. Can this see is that. what happens here. But I've got, they... to, I've got to,
0: I've got I've got to say though, you're thinking of Predator. I'm thinking most dangerous game. I'm thinking the original pilot for Fantasy Island, which was serious ah. and dark, oh, Hold on. and and was literally a most dangerous game where O'Rourke, where Mister Rourke is chasing the visitors to the island. You know. Uh, either that or uh, you say it gets picked up later on and it's move along home with the Wadding game. Okay, we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Ira... I, I'm
1: pretty sure Ira had not seen this. Um,
0: uh, or was thinking yeah, it, most dangerous game. But no, that's that's what came to mind. And then, you know, they yeah. immediately backed off of that and went with the the whimsical formula that Fantasy Island became. But no, so it is a trope, but it's a known trope. It's the... Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yes, yes. Hunted by someone. It's It's the man with the golden gun. I mean, it's you know, mm-hmm. it, it, and, and you know, uh, talk about known tropes. The Enterprise is held in orbit by a powerful force that they do not understand. Well, there's um, that end of it, yes. It, we might have seen that before as well. But it's, um, I think it's fascinating because on the one hand, you're seeing that Bob is trying to contribute story idea, and it, not just trying, is contributing story ideas. Um, this predates the creation of Q, so you can see right. him coming up a little later and going, "Oh, a really powerful entity." Hang on, we've already got one of those, and he mm-hmm. was—he worked out pretty well. Why don't we just bring him back? We want to bring him back. Um, he, you know, Hide and Q ends up being written by Maurice Hurley um, under huge time pressure. From what I understand, <laughs> that it was kind of like we we need an episode like next week, um, and presumably, Murray found this in the files and thought, "Right, I can do something with this." Um mm-hmm. and rewrote it. But if you if you go through this, you can actually see the story for Heiden Q in here. Um but it's it's starting off as something different, which I guess is what happened all the time.
0: Well right, 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 right. It's just that in this case, once again, it's not some other writer who might arbitrate through WGA or something if they felt aggrieved. It's Bob who's you know
1: Absolutely. busy I mean, busy,
0: dutiful, loyal Bob and not getting yeah. that credit.
1: Well, I don't yeah it's it's interesting it's, yeah so it doesn't have story by but I, I mean I also I can't see bob I mean I can't see bob having cared that much about story by credit you know I mean I think he he wanted to be recognized he wanted to have that role and that influence he, I don't think bob was ever that you know in my experience of him he wasn't the guy who wanted his name above the door exactly right. you know he was more, he wanted to be recognized for what he was doing and wanted to be allowed to contribute in the fullest sense of the word, which he which he had done throughout. You know, he'd written memos on two seasons worth of episodes uh, on the original series.
0: Yeah. And let's also put in context here, Bob was retirement age and he's really doing... And I think at the back of his mind, he's really there to get it launched the first year or two. Now, I think... he And he told me, he talks about looking at Gene and Gene looking at him and saying, Here's two old guys. Are we really up for the stress of doing this show? Now, part of the bonus was they knew they weren't good. They had wrangled a deal and with this risky syndication path, risky maybe, but they knew that they were, at least it would all be on their own shoulders. They weren't going to be on the bubble. They didn't have any suits or bean counters or ratings people to tell them what was going to happen to the show. It would be the studio, but they didn't have to jump through that many hoops. So at least, you know, that burden was a little removed. But they were still a little wary about where they were. So I'm, I'm thinking he's he's really more in it to, to vindicate the original series in a lot of ways. Because he's still, he's still stung by the failed little three-year show that really you know, revolutionized entertainment. And he's wanting to have metrics to prove that. And that's yeah, part I of think his also motivation.
1: He, he is, Bob has, you know, he, Bob, Bob has been working very consistently and successfully. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's like a, serious i mean you know we should not underestimate how good a line producer he was and what a big you know what a big thing it is to have one of those on your show but he has i think always wanted that ability to be seen as the creative person you know there's a there's a thing people get tarred with of like well you're not the real producer because you just made it happen you know It's the guy with the ideas that everybody remembers, you know. Um, uh, and then abuses. And yeah, well, and then abuses. They remember them. Um, but Bob had, you know, Bob had had always had those opinions and had wanted to be able to express them. And in this case, he was in from the beginning and was was mm-hmm. very much part of forming Next Generation. You know, he's the one who says, let's cast Patrick. He's the one who suggests, mm-hmm. let's have an android. Um, you know, although the android he suggests is quite different from the one we ended up with. Um, you know, he's he's there. And the, the, this memo is one of... I mean, it, he was prolific in terms of, of writing memos. I don't know how many you've got, but I have seen a lot oh, yes. of, he, of memos. You know. He uh, sa-
0: he saved my butt having to write the next-gen book because I wanted it to be to a certain level, and his... His memo and insight in four-hour interview was the crux of, of the evolving, the evolutionary part of, of my companion book. But, you know, the other thing here is it's this is very early. What's amazing to me is he's doing this. They're barely two months into even creating these. You know, we haven't we haven't we haven't renamed Macho Hernandez into Tashiar over the, the casting cycle, and it's still ba- based on uh, the Latina Marine, quote unquote, from Aliens that inspired it. So they're yeah, still I'm thinking see- that way.
1: I mean, but the the characters are so um, nascent at this point. You know, they're barely formed. Um, so the the fact that you've got story ideas, it's like, you know, how will that then play into them? I mean, I think with with Masha, they definitely wanted somebody who was very physical. Right. You know, when you look at the stuff, it's all. Uh, how muscular she is! She's attractive and muscular. It Says that a lot in the uh, in well, the... but and, but you know what to be well. The descriptions of female
0: characters in the eighties, still and into the nineties, is, is you know is wincing and jaw dropping still when you read. They are, you oh know, jaw dropping. Yeah, but let's remember, remember It men to the floor. Yeah, but <laughs> the the muscular bit was. Remember, this is nineteen eighty six, eighty seven, and they're posing. They're they're inspired by Vasquez, the Marine from Aliens. But the idea, the whole idea of having a female security chief is a radical... That was going to be one of the radical new notions of the next generation that was going to turn the old. Oh, absolutely. You know. Here's another case where 20 years have passed. So let's, let's put that in perspective. And they kept that, no matter who was cast and what ethnicity oh. it wound up being.
1: Yeah, and you can argue that um, casting Denise, who is, you know, attractive but not especially muscular um, was even more revolutionary, you know, that, that pushes mm-hmm. it a lot further that you, you're sort of saying she's, she's a woman, not, not a woman being a man, if you see what I mean, you right. know, that, that kind of muscularity is a very mm-hmm. sort of traditionally male, male value. I was just gonna say, I just think it's part of Bob being sort of like this, this creative outpouring. And I actually did this exercise of, um, Checking when these memos were written. Right. So I i was like trying to work oh this memory came before this and that and that. And I i realized it, it I did it in um, Excel and it gave me the day of the week it was. And you could see that what was happening is that Bob on a Sunday morning was <laughs> seen down <at> his typewriter <laughs> <laughs> and, and this outpouring of ideas would happen. And then like you realize that the next memos are like the next Sunday morning. <laughs> <that> he'd been <laughs> working throughout the week. And well, I mean, he was he already these-
0: grinding in the and then he had to recover Saturday, so by Sunday yeah. he had a little yeah, fresh... exactly.
1: He's driven up to ILM, he's looking at the visual effects, he's like trying to get his head around all of this stuff. And then, you know, like you say, he's like probably crashed out on Saturday. Bob did like a nice glass of wine, probably had a very nice <laughs> bottle of wine on a Saturday <laughs> night. <laughs> Gets up on the Sunday and and writes these this kind of outpouring of, of memos, which are so important to how Next Gen actually ended up being the way it was. Uh,
0: yeah, and in the old days they would you know get on a dictaphone and dictate these and then have them typed up and and that was there. Well, it's it's interesting too. To, he's thinking about developing characters and 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 matcha, the security chief mm-hmm. is, but he's he's conscious of how we're going to develop and the fact that just again hindsight, someone reading this now and we've just. You know, watch third season Picard here, reunite all these characters and see where they've wound up in hindsight, but realizing what what infant characters they were. Number one, you know, Riker with a Y and Data and Geordie and the fact that he picks Geordie to be her accomplice. You know, we're thinking, well, that's interesting. But but in the time and, you know, Geordi is not the chief engineer here. He's still the wisecracking helmsman, you know, the con officer.
1: Extraordinary vision.
0: With extraordinary vision, yes. However, however, that allows him to do. No, I, I was just curious that I, I think it's funny that to me, the most dangerous game is such a trope. And that, you know, the, but Bob goes, and he starts off saying, well, you know, we know the, mo- the most uh, basic literary conventions can be completely new creatures when they're scripted for TV. It's like, okay. But there's still the original trope, Bob. And um, I, don't, I would think that was even more so in the 80s than now. But uh, anyway, this is, uh, uh, you know, it, this was never purchased. Although we said maybe it was it oh, entered. I think uh, it, I'm
1: pretty convinced that this was hidden but also Bob Steele would mean that it wouldn't have been purchased. he was just right you know just contributing stuff he's not a freelancer. he is part of the staff he is a producer he's, you know? he's
0: uh, trying to help the team here he's uh, yeah i
1: exactly. yeah. getting the chance yeah. to do what he always wanted to do right right well, it's a fun one to pull out, uh,
0: a fun one for its time, and certainly, as we've said, uh, elements of which, whether hide and cue or beyond, uh, are always going to be lingering around. Who knows what may turn up on. Strange New Worlds, or on Starfleet Academy, or anything down the line. Even even in a meta-meta sense on Lower Decks. Who knows? It's <laughs> always possible.
1: And besides which, you know, we're only supposed to be seven stories in the world anyway, are there? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And we've just
0: tackled one of them. So I guess we've got six more episodes to go. Now, Ben, I can't let you go. I think once before we were, we were talking about, I, I kid about post Eagle Moss world, but what is the status of the situation? Has, have all the threads been uh, settled? Do we have a future for, for everyth- all those projects you were trying to find? Um, I, not all
1: the threads, but a lot of the threads. Um, things, are, things are moving on. Um, I I don't know if everybody's been to visit, but uh, a company called Master Replicas has managed to retrieve all of the stock of Egeria ships, so you don't have to buy things at ridiculous prices from eBay. Um, and um, I've been helping them work out what there is and what to sell when. But basically, every two weeks they they drop some new ships on their website, which is MasterReplicas.com. Um, And there's stuff there. We've we found stuff that you know people have been searching for for ages, and I've been horrified to discover have been selling for stupid amounts of money. Um, (laughs) Well, good. uh, Well, except we've been you know master replicas have been selling it at the original prices or a little bit more. You know, there's a little stuff with them. But master
0: replicas is the stock that was existing. So that's the
1: stock. So that's Mm -hmm. all the existing stuff. Um, there are things that weren't released because they weren't in the right packaging and things like that. So some some ships, like really weirdly, like this ship's really rare, and I had no idea. Um, but actually, you know, the, this, there is some stock, and we've been able to put it up. Uh, there's some stuff that was stuck in China that they've managed to get out of China that was never released. So they just dropped uh, the Vancouver and the Stargazer Excel. Um, and before mm-hmm. long, I have the caretaker's array. So these are things that we almost made, but we never managed to release because the company was collapsing. Um, and there's maybe a little bit more stuff like that we're still investigating. Um, so that's you know that's a, that's quite exciting. That's just like getting it back out there and and giving people mm-hmm. a chance again. And then the Agostini, they had a few problems. Um, they had to work out how many people wanted to complete building their enterprise D before they could decide when they could start. So that's been a bit complicated. And then there's been stuff that, you know, what you discover with warehouses, anybody that works in a warehouse, don't take this personally, but people say, yeah, 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 there's 10 boxes of that down there. And then you go and open the box and it's like, oh, well, that's not what you told me it was. Um, <laughs> and sometimes it's a nice surprise. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> it's a surprise. nasty surprise. <laughs> <laughs> or sometimes it's just a surprise. Um, so everybody's been trying to make sense of of the stock and the situation oh, right. at, to where it is, and and pretty much there now. Um, so I think they're going to start they're going to start shipping parts out to people any day now. Good, um, good. from the last I heard. So that's all good. Uh, yeah, so you can still buy the ships. You had to, you know, had to keep an eye on the site to know what. Uh, there's that. There are conversations going on about uh what might be coming in the future. Um Picard Season Three seem to have quite a lot of starships in it.
0: I was gonna say, so we're still up in the air about
1: everything that yeah, Picard Season Three has given us season two and three. I would yeah, I mean I would let me put it this way, there are conversations ongoing. Okay. There is a plan. Um as we all know, plans don't necessarily was that my Tyson line? You know, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the face. Um, but we haven't been hit in the face yet. Uh, so, then, yeah, I'd be optimistic. I, I'd be optimistic that if you've been watching Picard and you think, oh, God, I wish I had a model of the Titan A or the Enterprise G or both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, All that the above. You know, that's likely to end up being sorted out. So uh, yeah, things uh, things look pretty okay. pretty good. I um, kind of feel like I'm you know, two for three at the moment. You good, know, so. good. Well,
0: I was gonna throw another one in. How, what about the book line and the book future?
1: Book line, so um, I'm not sure what's been happening with the, the continuation of the books that we were doing at Eagle Moss. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there are negotiations, but I'm not privy to, you know, that's been true. For- so i just heard there are negotiations, you know. All right. Uh, but I would be optimistic about that. It just seems to be taking a very, very long time. Um, and Nana is working away on her book, um, and we'll have some very good news about that very soon. Well, that's
0: that's a bird in the hand that I'm looking forward to having. Well, all right, then. Well, thanks for that update. It's great. Uh, the what-ifs of post-Eaglemoss, and, yes, the what-ifs... <laughs> of Star just Trek, of a
1: parallel universe—something
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's beyond, uh, yeah, that's beyond. A two, uh, the, the most dangerous games sometimes can predict what's what's going to be the future of Star Trek. Sometimes, but uh, oh God, maybe I not so God much. I am
1: not going to be hunted
0: by a powerful entity. <laughs> Don't worry, there's plenty of them. How powerful could they be? They're it's all true. sharing the universe yeah. ultimately. Anyway, but thanks again, Ben, for for dropping by and uh, and giving us that update. Hi, right, thank you for having me. Always yeah. a pleasure. Good deal. Hey everyone, The Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment and all of our documents uh, and your chance to comment are available at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles, of course. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47, and uh, yeah, that's me, <laughs> at larrynebacheck.com. Hey, you can also link in there for all the new Trek Files swag and shirts at our Tee Public shop, too. Trek well, everybody.